Hello, everybody. Randy here. Before I get to uh, today's episode, I just want to give a special thanks to our uh, presenting sponsor for this edition of the Trap Draw, Herbal Active. They are a CBD company, and if you would like to learn more about their products, you can visit herbalactive.com. That's U-R-B-A-L-A-C-T-I-V.com. And TrapDraw20, the code TrapDraw20, will get you 20% off of uh, their products. I'll be back in a bit to tell you more, but now on to today's show. All right. Good morning, Bud Schultz. Thank you so much uh, for joining me. It's it's a real pleasure to get to talk to you. How are you today? I'm great. And likewise, it's a pleasure here as well. Well, thank you. Um, I, I think as, as a way of quick background for listeners, um, I had the opportunity to go to the U.S. Senior Am a couple weeks ago. And although I did not meet you in person there, I learned about your story and got your contact information and, and made the connection that week. So I, I just want to ask you, how was that experience for you? Had you played in any um, U.S. Senior Ams before? No, I, I hadn't. I've never played in a, a USGA championship prior to this. Uh, it was absolutely on my golf bucket list to at some point qualify for a USGA championship. And the experience was everything that people told me it would be the best run tournament I'd ever play. Um, and from the second you arrived to the second you left, making you feel like you're uh, a special competitor in a special event and uh, probably make you feel a little bit better of a golfer than, than I really was. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know anything about old Chatham? Did you get down there early? Tell me about how that works. So, you qualified out of the Northeast? Yep. I qualified at a club called Catansit, which is in Marion, Mass., a, a, a great old course right on the ocean. And um, as soon as I qualified, a buddy of mine who's a member of uh, my home club, Black Rock Country Club in Hingham, Mass., um, called me up and said, by the way, I'm a member there. I saw you qualified for the U.S. Senior Am, and I'm a member at Old Chatham. Uh, so he filled me in on what a wonderful place it was, and uh, it lived up to all of the things he said it was. And if I'm not mistaken, is the U.S. Senior Am headed to Catansit in a few years? It is. I think it's in 2022 it, it goes to Catansit, which, uh, which would be really fun to qualify for that one as well. Yeah, I was going to say, hopefully uh, hopefully you will make it through. Uh, what I want to ask you about, you, you mentioned you know, qualifying for a USGA championship was on your golf bucket list. If you could, and I know this is a very broad question, but uh, what, what 
is your experience with the game of golf? When did you pick it up? And um, specific to that, when did you start uh, competing? Um, so I, I really was not a golfer through my adult life. Um, I would play in one or two sort of charity, you know, scramble events a year, and that was about it. Um, but about 10 years ago, I had some buddies who needed a fourth for their group and they pulled me out and, uh, I quickly realized that as I was turning 50 years old, this was, uh, you know, something that, um, I could compete against my friends in, um, it didn't hurt to play it like it hurt for me to play tennis at a high level, which is sort of my background. Um, and it was also something later in life that I could continue to get better at, or it was just something that I was getting better at later in life, which in and of itself is, is a really enjoyable process. Um, so I really just started playing about 10 years ago and, um, about Four years in, um, after being a bit obsessive about trying to get better at the game, I started entering some Mass Golf Association events and, and um, uh, started trying to compete. So this is fascinating to me. Um, and I, I, I don't want to, well, it's not, a, it's not a surprise, but I want to get into your tennis background. But, but before we do that, so you're playing you know, these couple scrambles a year. Had you played golf growing up? Was it, you know, Never. I, I just... <laughs> no, I mean, a little bit here and there, but it, again, it was like once or twice a year. Um, it was just totally goofing around with it. Um, but it just really hadn't been on my radar, primarily because I had had kids, was raising, raising kids, and it just seemed like it took too much time. And, it, and uh, um, it just wasn't something that I had time for or really even thought about having an interest in. If you were to play your own ball then, are we talking, I, I mean, I, I think with your tennis background, it, it was your hand-eye coordination that that you know you were breaking a hundred comfortably help me set kind of where your game was so people can appreciate you know how quickly you rose uh to to such a you know to such heights yeah i so about 10 years ago when i started out i was a mid-90s player um i would say within you know two years i was down into the into the low 80s consistently um, and then another year or two after that, I was low single digit. Um, so it, it was pretty quick, but I do have an obsessive compulsive, uh, gene in me. So, you know, people say, wow, that was really fast. And, uh, in terms of the improvement, but the reality is I hit as many golf balls over that four year period as, as most people hit in a, in a 20 year period. So it wasn't without my obsessive compulsivity kicking in. <laughs> and were you uh, self-taught? Were you taking lessons? Was there a teacher involved? Yeah, there. so I was very lucky on that front. There were a number of people that um, I was exposed to that knew of my tennis background. 
and and as friends as i became friendly with these various people who were very accomplished golfers they they took an interest in helping me um a number of people at my home club you know i can remember bubba watson saying he never took a, a lesson in his life but the reality is um you know every time someone helps you you're taking a lesson you just you just may not be paying for it <laughs> so anyways i i was the beneficiary of a lot of people taking interest and in giving me lots of lessons um you know sort of as helpful support yeah um well <laughs> let's not dance around your tennis background so you, you mentioned you know you, you played tennis i think just to disabuse any listeners uh, you know you, you weren't playing at the at the country club you were as high as the 40th ranked uh player on the atp tour mm -hmm. so um you know th this was i believe that ranking was 1986 talk to me about your you know your, your tennis experience um how you would compare and contrast competing on a tennis court with what you found in the game of golf yeah so I was very lucky to have had the experience of competing on the ATP tour for close to nine years. Um, the first three years making my way up the rankings, the next three years playing, you know, as a top 40, top 50 player in the world, playing all of the slams, the U.S. Open, the French, the Australian and Wimbledon, and basically traveling the world um making my living playing professional tennis uh absolute dream come true um and i felt like i was the luckiest person in the world to be able to make my living that way it was just an absolute joy and incredible experience um at at the end of my career however it, it ended because of injuries and as i continued to play tennis over the course of my adult life um i found that tennis started to hurt <laughs> more and more <laughs> i could play at a very high level and my body really just couldn't cash the check um so you know when golf was presented to me as an opportunity to compete um, to compete against friends and golf being very different than tennis in this respect you can play against anyone in golf and using the handicap system you're essentially playing even in tennis that's almost impossible to do so this world of people that um i could compete against and with in golf was much much larger than this little group of people that I could compete playing tennis with and it didn't hurt and then lastly as I as I said before it was something I was getting better at and at the age of 50 that's a that to be getting better at anything is is a great thrill um, so that's sort of my tennis background and how it parlayed into um, playing golf. Um, what I did find in that transition was that there are a tremendous number of similarities in the games in terms of 
how you hit a tennis ball relative to how you hit a golf ball. What was always very intuitive to me, and I think one of the reasons I got better quickly, is that I understood um, swing plane. I understood how to use an implement and create trajectory, both low and high. Um, I understood how to put spin on a ball um, through my background in tennis. And I was very, fairly quickly able to relate that to using a different implement, a golf club, and being able to use it in a similar manner and create trajectory high or low and spin right, left, or left, right. Um, so a lot of that was, was very intuitive to me. Um, How, I, sorry to interrupt yeah. you there. How much of when you're competing at, at a high level playing tennis, um, mm -hmm. I, how much of that is purely outward competition, competing against the person on the other side of the court? Um, and, and I ask that because mm -hmm. I, I think one of the things for me about golf is I, I feel like there's so much internal competition a little bit, right? I, mm -hmm. I fight myself um, mm -hmm. so much, and, and granted, I'm I'm not at the level that, that you <laughs> are, but I, I feel like I, I have to almost beat myself before I can then, you know, if it's match play, beat the guy I'm playing with um, right. or against, if that makes sense. Totally. I, I didn't know if, if you, you know, if, if tennis has any of that internal kind of struggle or if you found any of that internal struggle playing golf. Oh, oh, tremendously so on, on, in both sports. Um, and ultimately, it's your ability to manage that internal struggle that allows you to compete and, and you know, come through and perform under pressure. I think the, the piece that my coach in tennis um, um, instilled in me that really, really translates uh, out onto a golf course is um, this concept of how many times have you played your best? And by definition, it's once, right? If you've played your best, it's, it's once. So all of the other times that you've played and that you've won in tennis, you've done it with something less than your best. So your job as a tennis player when you go out and compete in a tennis match is to figure out what what you have that day, what skills are working, what you have going well, and how do you use those to figure out a way to to beat your opponent. And similarly in golf, um, it's what am I doing today and how can I use what I'm doing well today to to make the best score possible and um, it's an approach that that was great about keeping you just in the present um, you hit a bad shot in tennis it's okay how am I going to win the next point you hit a bad shot in golf it's okay that's behind me there's nothing I can do about it now how do I hit this next shot so that I can get the ball in the hole um, in the fewest number of strokes and it's just staying in that present what's the issue at hand and how do I solve this problem that translates tremendously well from tennis to golf to, to place you in the in the tennis you know 
universe at this time. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking at the the top ten from 1986. Yeah, yeah. Von is number one. You know, names Boris yeah. Becker was yeah. a teenager. Jimmy Connors, kind of on the end of his yeah. career a little bit. Stefan Edberg, John McEnroe. So, so all these all these big names. Um, and, and I promise, there's a, a golf question coming out of this. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just curious. He obviously playing against some of the very best to, to ever play tennis and also competing at now a high level on, on the golf course. Do you find that the very best of the best are more talented or are they, as, as you were saying, are, are they just better able to manage themselves and, and essentially make it work mm-hmm. um, any way possible? Well, well, what I what I found in tennis, and I also see in golf, is you've got to look at the the underlying skills, physical skill set, as as sort of everyone's got that to to a fairly similar degree. Um, in tennis, however that underlying skill set has levels and levels and levels. And I think in golf, it's pretty similar. Um, People don't, people, people would be surprised if I said at 40 in the world, um, I thought there in tennis, I thought there were still another two, maybe even three levels above where I was. So, you know, those guys that are in the top five, are another level. Those guys between five and 15 are another level above me. And those guys between, um, you know, 25 and 40 were another level above me. And I'll, I'll tell people that and they'll look at me like, you got to be kidding me. And, and I think it's probably pretty similar in golf. I think the as you go through those higher and higher and higher levels, those players are able to combine better physical skills along with those better mental skills, um, you know, and build up this belief structure that allows them to be, as I said, you know, another level above this person who's 40 in the world and then two levels above this person who's 40 in the world. So I don't think it's really one or the other. I think it's a combination of the two and they play off each other. As my physical skills get better, my belief structure gets better. Um, so it's 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 amazing. When I was at the um, Senior Am to see the the guys there that were truly um, competitive to win the event, how much better they were than I am right now. Um, and that's always fun to see. You know, all these different levels above you. Is that just fuel for you? Do you feel like you have a a desire to really keep competing and find these new levels in golf? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, it's sort of the way my brain works. It's, uh, how am I going to get better? Um, and you know, I've got now at the age of 60, I'd probably have a few more years. Um, and it's just simply fun to, to engage in a process where you're trying to get better and figuring out how you get better. I mean, one of the things, um, 
that I got out of playing the U.S. Senior Am was to be able to see um, a lot of these top players and watch what they do, watch how they swing, watch how they how they practice, watch how they approach, you know, all of these individual shots, and, and even watch how they would take a look at a, a situation and. Um, their decision to hit a particular shot isn't even isn't even something that I would have thought of as an option. Um, you know, so there's just all that learning going on, and, and as I've said a number of times, it's just fun to be getting better. And a big part of that is to continue to learn and, and figure things out in a better way. Do you have a preference when when you I, I, because golf obviously combines there's a stroke play element uh, mm-hmm. as well as match play. Do do you find I, I would think maybe the the one on one of match play might might suit you better, but do you have a a preference? <laughs> uh, they're they're clearly very different. Um, I I enjoy them both in very different ways. I'm probably. Um, I'd probably be able to compete at the level that I'm at in match play a little bit better than stroke play simply because um, I seem to have this ability if I play a bad hole to be able to let it go and understand that match play is 18 one-hole matches. Um, and that's all about just staying in the present and and being able to assess what's going on in each of those 18 whole individual matches um, the however the stroke play I love the pressure of every shot having an importance that really matters in terms of what your final score is. I love that pressure from one shot to the next, from one hole to the next, so on and so forth. Um, and so in very different ways, I like them both. I'm probably, if I was going to compete it, compete against someone and I had to choose one or the other, I would probably choose match play though. Talk to me about one thing I'm always curious with uh, amateur golfers, especially. Can you give us a sense of what a typical week looks like for you in terms of, you know, how much golf do you play? What's your breakdown between, you know, do you spend a lot of time on the range or, you know, are, are you more of a, you know, play, play to practice type of guy? And then kind of my second part of this question, knowing that you live up in the Massachusetts area, are you able to do much during the winter? Um, how, how does you know how, how does the long cold winters affect uh, your golf game? Yeah, um, I have the luxury. My wife and I, now that our kids are grown and out and on their own, we have the luxury of living in a community that's part of a, a country club. So I have access to practice. Um, at our where we live at this club, uh, Black Rock, in Hingham, Mass, um, I get a chance to hit balls every day, um, and consequently, I, being right there as well, I get a chance to play a minimum of twice a week, usually three, four times a week. Um, we also, my wife and I, also own a business. Uh, an indoor tennis club that closes um, 
during the summer because no one up here really wants to play indoors during the summer. So I have the luxury of a lot of time during the summer to be able to play as much golf as, as I can fit in. Um, and again, I see that as just an incredible luxury um, to now being older. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. um, in terms of during the winter, we've got a great club locally called the Harmon Club um, that has some some outdoor heated bays uh, that they've been wonderful in letting me come and and use that facility some and then and then here and there my wife and I will travel during the winter and we'll almost always bring our clubs so I find a way over the course of the winter to to certainly hit a lot of balls and uh, get some play in. Um, it's a good time to try to change things in your swing. That's for sure. Hey guys, Randy again, real quick. Uh, I've mentioned at the start of the show today's presenting sponsors, Herbal Active. We're very thankful to them uh, for for being a sponsor of the Trap Draw. I want to talk to you. CBD is obviously all the rage right now in golf and uh, and really outside of golf. Um, Herbal Active, what sets them apart, they're a high-performance brand of CBD-infused products specifically developed for those striving to live an active and healthy lifestyle. Our bodies are made up of 80% water, and we all know that oil and water don't mix. That's why Herbal Active CBD products are water-soluble. The CBD particles are 10 times smaller than competitors, making them more bioavailable and efficient. They source the highest purity and quality CBD on the market to ensure that our CBD-infused products are second to none. Um, Herbal Active was founded on the idea of providing the highest quality, affordable CBD-infused products, and they're created by people just like you who are passionate about using all-natural products to improve the quality of their life. You can check out all their products on the website, herbalactive.com, U-R-B-A-L-A-C-T-I-V.com. And be sure to use the code TRAPDRAW20, TRAPDRAW20. That will get you 20% off uh, all your purchases. All right, now back to our show. So during my – I'm going to change gears on you a little Mm bit. Um, The the person who shared your contact information with me um, had mentioned you hiked – the Appalachian Trail. <laughs> and not only that, I think you hiked it solo and in a in a short period of time. I was wondering if you could talk about that experience um, yeah. and, and maybe some of the specifics. Yeah, probably the craziest thing I've ever done in my life. But um, when I was in college, I went to Bates College up in, in Maine. Uh, a buddy of mine took me hiking one time and we were on this trail and he said, oh, this is part of the Appalachian Trail. And at the time, I had no idea what it was. And uh, over the course of my four years in college, I started to read about it and learn about it and obsess about it. And I, one of the things that fascinated me was that there was this world of people that, quote unquote, through hiked the Appalachian Trail. Well, it's basically just shy of 2200 miles from um from georgia to maine and a through hike is someone who starts at one end or the other and hikes the entirety of the trail all at once and um 
so as you come up with these crazy ideas while you're in college, I thought at some point in my life, this is something I want to do. Um, and when my youngest daughter was, was or committed to go to um, college, the uh, summer before her, her senior year in high school, she, my wife looked at me and she said, look, you're not getting any younger. And for the world of me, I don't know why you want to do this, but it's something you need to do. So get ready, get it together, and go do it. Um, so uh, March of 2014, I set out from Springer Mountain, Georgia. And um, July 12th in 2014, four and a half months later, I uh, summited a peak on Mount Katahdin up in uh, Baxter Park, um, up in Maine, and uh, it was four and a half months of starvation, of exhaustion, of smelling so bad that you can't stand your own self, um, and every once in a while having you know these experiences that fit into this uh, romantic vision that you've created of this experience, but most of it was just uh, getting up every day and huffing it. Um, I guess I averaged about 17 miles a day through the mountains all along uh, the Appalachian Ridge. Wow. So wow. It, it, it was something. I wouldn't advise it. <laughs> <laughs> but now having done it, I'm glad, I'm glad to be able to say that I did do it. It was an amazing experience. But... Um, it uh, it pushed me to my absolute limits for sure, for sure. Well, let me ask you this: Are there any other challenges um, on on your bucket list? Do you have your eye on anything physical in the, in the near future? <laughs> not not from an endurance <laughs> standpoint. Um, I've got, I've you know in in the back of my mind, I would I would love to be able to compete in some more USGA events. Um, but you know, one of the things in, in terms of setting goals and, and, and trying to achieve those goals in a particular sport, one of the things that I absolutely found in tennis is if you set the goal, that's fine. But if you focus on that goal rather than focusing on just getting each day, getting better, you tend to not reach the goal if you focus. If you are really good at just focusing on how am I going to get a little better today, all of a sudden you look up and and as it happened to me this year, all of a sudden I looked up and I was at a USGA championship. Um, so I would say in terms of you know things out into the future, uh, probably golf related and but mostly just trying to get a little bit better and, and see where that takes me. Um, it's just been so much fun to be able to compete now that I'm, um, you know, 60 years old. So I'm, I'm curious, and this is somewhat of a, you know, a human nature question. Mm -hmm. Were you, were you always very competitive and this, the wisdom kind of around one day better, yeah. um, and some of your personal philosophies was that instilled in you in a, in a young age through tennis or, you know, ha have you kind of gained wisdom um, 
I, I guess talk to yeah, me yeah. Uh, wh- where things really clicked for you from a competitive standpoint and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, almost a, a self, uh, mm-hmm. a, a betterment perspective. Yeah, well, you know, I, I was lucky enough to be fairly good at uh, school, and that gave me opportunities to compete. Um, but the reality was I was that kid that sat by the window and was looking out at the ball fields in class, you know, just thinking, oh, I can't wait until classes are over so that I can be out on the ball fields. And I was just always like that. It's always where I felt most at home. It's always where I've gotten the most, um, the most joy in terms of pursuing something or, or working at something. Um, so it, it's just always been that way in terms of just loving to compete, loving to, to, to play both individual and team sports. Now, having said that, I've also been the beneficiary of some great coaches. Um, and in particular, this, my, my coach when I was playing on the tour, this guy, Bill Drake, um, who at the time he was coaching me was also coaching, you know, three other guys, top, top hundred in the world. One guy, Tim Mayotte, who was top hundred, or I'm, I'm sorry, top 10 in the world. Um, so in a lot of my approaches and philosophies really have come, have come from him. Like most of us, I don't have a lot of original ideas, I, but I can really, I've become very good at stealing other people's really good ideas. <laughs> uh, do you read a lot? I do. Can I ask you, you know, fiction, nonfiction, and, and what, you know, general topics interest you? Yeah, very little fiction. Um, I love reading biographies. I love um, understanding and seeing how other people have achieved their approaches, um, their motivations, um, their inspirations along the way. Um, I love just, and, and again, it's sort of why I watch sports because there's a human drama to it, um, you know, and just how people have done these amazing things that they've done over the course of their lives. So primarily biographies, I think probably, my favorite author to read is a, is a guy by the name of Malcolm Gladwell. Um, he's the guy that that sort of uh, made the ten thousand hours concept um, popular. Sure. Um, so, anyways, he's he's probably my my favorite person to read. He's got a great podcast as well. Yeah. Um, I, well, we're we're nearing the the 35 minute mark i I have just a a few more maybe Uh random not so random questions if if you don't mind um i i'm curious looking back on your on your tennis career who's the one person that you were most um impressed by from a purely you know standing on the court with them um, mm-hmm. Was was there one person that it, it was just like oh man? Well, I yeah, I I wouldn't put it down to one person. I put it down to two people. Um, I think you know had the the privilege to play John McEnroe a number of times, and 
He was someone that saw the game differently than everyone else. He saw angles that other people didn't see. He had the ability to then be able to utilize angles and trajectories. And he just, he saw the game um, um, in a much more dynamic manner than really anyone else out there. Um, so he would be one. The other person um, that I, I, again, had the privilege and luxury to be around and learn from was Yvonne Lendl. Um, his work ethic, his approach to getting a little better every day. Um, I used to go down and spend some time at his house in Greenwich and practice with him for, you know, a week, 10 days at a time. And um, his discipline and, and his ability to work hard was absolutely unmatched. Um, and again, it was a luxury and a privilege. And, um, you know, I can't wait to see him because now I can, you know, bust his chops about having played in a USGA championship and he hasn't <laughs> <laughs> in golf. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, those are the two guys that, that um, you know, you stand back and you say, these two guys are different. In, in different ways, they're both in different ways, but these two guys were different than, than the rest of everyone. They really were. So the U.S. Open, tennis U.S. Open just concluded. Uh, mm -hmm. Rafa Nadal won his 19th uh, major. Yeah. Do, you, do you recognize the game of tennis today? Oh, my jaw is on the ground when I see <laughs> what these guys do. Um, you know, I always laugh when people try to compare eras of any athlete in any sport and just you know every era if from my perspective these guys are bigger they're stronger they're faster their training is better their technique is better their diet is better their you know they everything they do is better than what we did and when i see these guys hit a tennis ball my jaw is just on the ground in terms of how hard they hit it how they can make it move um, their ability to move, it was just, uh, the U.S. Open final this year was just beyond spectacular. Yeah, I, I just am blown away, and they're, and they're able to, you know, these, Nadal, Djokovic, Federer, obviously, you know, kind of the, the big three, I mean, they're, they're, they're into their mid, and, and Federer's case, you know, late 30s, I, it's, it's just, it's yeah. mind-boggling. Yeah, but again, better, better science, better technique. Um, they're obviously incredibly disciplined. The part that amazes me, and the same with some of these older golfers, is how, given that they've got all the luxuries in life um, and all the po possible distractions in life, how they've maintained this this incredibly high desire to compete and to achieve and to continue to win. Um, that's the part that, you know, year after year after year, a guy like Tom Brady, a guy like Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, their desire to continue to compete and win and put in all the effort that it takes 
to do that is is really amazing at their ages. Yeah, I, I think um, I, something. I it was an interview with Kobe Bryant, the the basketball player, mm-hmm. that always stuck with me. And essentially, what he was saying for him is he, he you you fall in love with that process. You fall in right. love with putting in the work. And I, I think mm-hmm. you know the the guys you mentioned are are shining right. examples of that as well. Um, right. Are you a fan of golf? Do you watch a lot of golf? And oh, if so, all the time. are all okay. The time. Well, talk. To, yeah, well, who do you who do you like to watch? What I'm curious, you know, the the guys that really stick out to you. Well, it's you know, it's easy to watch the guys who have the most talent and sort of be in awe. Um, the my at this point, uh, my guy's speech. And in part because he he doesn't have the uh, you know 340 yard straight down the middle driver he doesn't um, but the guy always figures out how to get the ball in the hole um, and you know I go back to that scene um, when he won the British Open and um, you know he had to take a a drop which turned into it on which turned into another drop which turned into another drop (laughs) which turned into another drop and he figured out a way (laughs) to make a bogey on that hole um i just i thought that was one of the one of the most amazing competitive efforts in that moment for him to have figured all that out at that moment in that tournament. So anyways, that that's my guy, guy that can do that kind of stuff and stays in the moment and just look, the goal is to get it in the hole. So he's my guy. <laughs> uh, all right. Last two questions. What's, uh, what's the, your favorite course you've, you've played and what would be if you could wake up tomorrow morning and play any course in the world? Um, what, what course would that be? Yeah. So I, you know, having only played for 10 years, there are a lot of courses out there that, I, that are still on my bucket list. So I, I guess my number one course that I haven't played that I would obviously love to go play is Pebble Beach. Um, I obviously, like everyone else that um, I've ever talked to that's played there, says it's just a magical, magical place. Um, last summer, I again had the privilege and honor to be able to play Pine Valley, and um, I I uh, sort of couldn't get my head around why or how this was essentially the number one rated golf course in the world year after year after year. And the second you go through the gates, you start to get it, and it's just a absolutely magical piece of land it's a magical golf course um the ambiance the experience the the entirety of the golf experience was was you know by far and away the best golf experience i've ever had and i'm not the only one who says that (laughs) right as somebody who has not gotten the opportunity yeah it's it's just more um more reason for me to, to one day hope uh, for that for that opportunity as well. Um, yeah. 
Well, I'll, I'll get you out, bud. Thank you so much. Um, what's any other competitions in in uh, 2019 golf wise? Yeah. Uh, two left. I've got the New England Senior Am, which is uh, up in uh, Biddeford, Saco, Maine, uh, next week. And then the week after that is the Mass uh, Mid Am, which I've been lucky enough to qualify for. Um, and that's at Brayburn Country Club in, in Newton, Mass. So I've got two more, two more fun events um, that I'm looking forward to. So Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Best, best of luck to you uh, in, in those events, and um, I'm hopeful I can be at more U.S. Senior Amateurs, and I'm hopeful uh, you will be there qualified and, and competing. Thank you so much. I, I really, really, uh, this was a fun talk. It was a pleasure. It's, it's, it's an exciting part of my life moving forward, so it was a real, real pleasure. Thank you. Favorite trapper, the absolute truth, yeah, no joke. Who me?